Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I googled Roger Miller pygmies and there's a there is a there is a post on it now this isn't attributed to any source but i'll read this paragraph out because it's, it's quite interesting um <laughs> it says miller was arrested after the police received complaints that the pygmies had been imprisoned in a single locked room underneath the stadium by an armed guard in a saddam hussein t-shirt <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to What A Load Of Cobblers, Friday Night Lights, the Northampton Town audio show, the podcast equivalent of a Greg Downs rake down the Achilles tendon. I'm Tom Reed, aka Tommy the Nib, and I'm currently keeping away from Twitter as news of Ivan Tony's transfer to Brentford for a reported £10 million hits. Joining me tonight is Eurosports finest Andy Bodfish, also known as Andy Mouth, for obvious reasons, as a commentator. We've been watching the excellent Netflix show Fear City on the New York Mafia in the 80s. And it turns out Andy's a bit of a, a bit of a knowledgeable character on the Costa Nostra and has actually been to the restaurant where a prominent member of the Mafia was gunned down. Isn't that right, Andy, in New York? Yeah, Big Paul, uh, back in uh, back in 85. Um, yeah, I went to New York a couple of years ago, got a bit of a, um, bit of an interest in all that, as I think we all have, actually, isn't it? Fascinating world, isn't it? In a bit of a pop culture way. And yeah, big Paul uh, Castellano um, gunned down by, um, well, it's basically John Gotti, um, John Gotti and Sammy the Bull Gravano. Um, yeah, as he as he was exiting his, his limousine heading into Spark Steakhouse on um, <laughs> what third and forty fifth. You One can way. do a Sopranos tour, can't you? You can do a Sopranos tour around New Jersey. We didn't get that far, but um, it's something I wouldn't rule out in the future. You know, get into the Bing. <laughs> we'll keep an eye on you, Andy. You obviously got quite a good connection in New York, so we'll keep an eye on you. Uh, next up, it's Martin Maloney, aka Marty Slugger. He's got a huge collection of baseball bats. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly not the only person in NN3 who has that. No, I don't doubt that actually. How, how's the baseball going, Marty? Oh uh, yeah, really good. We're we're, we're on a, a mid-season break, as it were, at the moment. Our one-off. Every team's got one off week and ours falls on the um, on the bank holiday. So we uh, we had a cracking day Sunday. Um, Essex Redbacks made their first visit up to us. Absolutely mullered us in the first game. Um, I think it was 14 or 16-3. Uh, ran all over us. Uh, were really good. Second game, you know, a few harsh words maybe in between. And we beat them 8-7 in an absolute thriller. So, um, yeah, all... All good times, um, play, playing baseball in North Ants, and God, anyone who fancies it, look us up. Okay, right, let's not use this as a scouting network for your <laughs> baseball team. <laughs> Next up, we've got Ian Brandt, a.k.a. The Spaniard. Cooks a uh, mean paella, but don't cross him, or your prawns might end up raw. You've, have you been on the red wine and coke tonight, Ian? No, I haven't. No, when, when you said... <laughs> no, no. When when you said um, that Bodfish had been to a, a hotbed of organised crime, I thought you meant Nem Park. <laughs> <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> yeah. You uh... watch your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, we've been talking about getting these Calamachos on the go for the first game of the season. So I reckon we've got to uh, get that sorted out. Or, or maybe we could just do 
a podcast after drinking loads of him. I don't know how well it'll end up. Someone tweet, tweeted uh, us, uh, we were talking about the sort of alcoholic drinks and soft drink uh, mixed together. And uh, someone tweeted us that apparently Tia Maria and orange juice is the one. Oh. Tastes like Smarties, apparently. Uh, yeah, that's right. I saw that. Isn't Tia Maria orange anyway? Yeah, it might be a bit too much, mightn't it? <laughs> but we'll uh, <laughs> we'll get that. We'll get the uh, Calamacho sorted out. Um, Jefferson Lake's a big fan of the Calamacho. We're trying to work out a gangster name for you, Jeff. But, you know, the problem is with all our names, they're not very uh, mobster friendly, are they? We've got Andy, <laughs> Martin, Ian, <laughs> Jeff and Tom. It sounds more like I mean, the backing act on Rainbow, but I've gone for... <laughs> <laughs> I've gone for Giafredo, which is the closest translation to Jeff. Nice. The Grappler Lake. For your oh, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll take that all day. Yeah, that, that's Just great. Been, uh, Giafredo has been lurking in the shadows known to inflict a Boston club on those who cross him. I think we should go and, we should go and whack uh, whoever's going to, you know, buy Ivan Tony. Do you reckon bring him back to Northampton? It's not, that's not a bad shout, actually. It's not a bad shout. Uh, do, you didn't yeah. do the Sopranos tour, Andy, when you went to New York? I, I, no, I didn't. No. Um, I'm surprised at that. I, I've got a friend who's done it, and it, it's, it's, um, it's oh, what's the word, I, I suppose, hosted, guided by uh, the guy who played Vito. He, do, uh, he, do, he does it. He turns up with a van and and drives you out to New Jersey to these to the to <laughs> the Bing right? and Satrials and stuff and um, Tony's house and all that. Yeah, I do know Vito J- Joseph Arganascoli. Um, That's the one. Um, I didn't know. I didn't know he did it. But yeah, um, yeah. again, yeah. you know, I, I'm not very good at planning things, mate. To be honest. So is this actor like down on his luck then? Like, or are you just like really into it? That he likes to he likes to do the tour. I don't know that he's done that much post Sopranos <laughs> or that much pre Sopranos either. He's, he's one of probably about 15 actors that are completely <laughs> stereotyped as uh, sort of minor mafia henchmen in, in yeah. films of that type. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know the best one of that, of that type, the best character actor of that type? He's a guy in uh, Police Academy 5, I think it is. Five Miami Beach, and he uh, he's the one that uh, yeah they 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 the police academy come against a mob, and they have to go to Miami Beach, and I think he drops all his golf balls down the uh, escalator. <laughs> <and polarity. laughs> Andy will know this. Andy will see that. Police academy. Yeah, I, I I was more of a police academy four man. To be honest, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm police academy one. <laughs> okay. Tim it's Trump's not quite the Star Wars, is is it? <laughs> <laughs> it's not quite. I don't know. Is, is Guttenberg still there in five? Uh, not. Uh, oh, good question, Steve Guttenberg. No, I think that was. I think that was the first one um, without Guttenberg, I believe. Yeah, you see, I'd lost interest when when Steve left left the franchise. <laughs> I guess same. he must have gone on to bigger and better things. <laughs> <laughs> he now does um, guided police academy tours around. <laughs> I would go with that. Is it of Miami? Oh, the, yeah, the Blue Oyster. <laughs> <laughs> That's the famous scene in, in uh, Police Academy 5 where in the airport he drops his golf balls down the the, the, the escalator and the hilarity ensues. And also, uh, who was it? Captain Harris goes through the metal detector and uh, <laughs> the guy with the sound effects keeps making it go off. Bing, bing. Oh, yes, of course. Take yeah. all his clothes off and then Jones. eventually his trousers fall down. <laughs> Absolutely. Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, um, talking of um, like tours and stuff, I I met a guy that does uh, tours for West Ham. Do you know, like West Ham, he does like a tour uh, for like in sort of authentic the West Ham experience, and he gets like, like all tourists and stuff. And I covered this uh, West Ham protest that they were doing with all the like, West Ham fans. And it was a protest against the board, and he invited all these American tourists to this bloody protest. Oh, they were all standing around in this rough-ass pub in East End, and all these fireworks were going off. They were like, "Shut the ball, blah blah blah," and they were like, "What the fuck is going on, man?" And they were like, "It's just like this every game." And I was like, does, does that take in um, the blind beggar? It- it might do, yeah. I didn't actually go on the whole thing, but the blind beggars, yeah, that's where uh, the craze uh, fascinated on, wasn't it? Yeah, I think that's where um, that's where George Cornell shot Jack the Hat McVitie. So let's move on from. This is a good. This is probably the best link I've ever done. From one robbery stroke crime to another one that 
Ivan Tony has left Cobblers for nothing and then moving to Brentford for £10 million from Posh. Whew. Got that for Get a <laughs> Yeah, so uh, as we come on air, um, it's on, it's out on Sky Sports, you know, Jeff won't Sky Sports. We're going to have to take that as a bit of a reputable <laughs> source or not, maybe. It's uh, possible if it's on there. Absolutely kosher. <laughs> <laughs> the... Uh, Ivan Tony is on his way to Brentford from Peterborough, of all places, for a deal upwards, you know, approaching £10 million. Now, let's start with you on that, Martin. Like, it just makes your heart sink, doesn't it? That he's going to go, if he doesn't go to Brentford tonight or tomorrow or in the next few days, he's going to go somewhere for a lot of, you know, X number of millions. What do you, how do you sort of feel about a guy from, you're from the East Interest, Martin, Eastfield? Going, growing up in Northampton for X number of years and then going, you know, via Newcastle, going to Posh and then sold on for all that money. How does it make you feel, man? Um, oh, you've got to be rational about it. You know, he's he's a footballer. He's he's a pawn in different things. He's got to make the best career he has. Yeah. He had, you know, people and, you know, people are very, sometimes a bit immature, a bit juvenile on um, social media about traitors and what have you. These guys are paying, uh, are playing to to earn a wage. It's, it's their living, same as I go and work for Tesco. So, you know, we, we need to get away from the bitterness. And I think you've hit the nail on the head. The thing that is frustrating is that we will run in an inept way where to probably pay the wages for a month or two, we let a player of his ability go. And no one doubted, I don't think, his ability. It's not like sometimes they let someone go and they discover something new and mm. they become better. Tony was like big, strong, quick, scored goals. You know, he he was the real deal. And Newcastle come in with a, a cash offer, you know, a quarter of a million quid is what I heard. <clears throat> but but all it did was delay the inevitable with the, with the Cardoza regime. What I think, and you know, we can have we can have our views on you know the ownership now and things we might not be so happy with. What's good now is that you've got a good player. You say, right, come in with your offers. We're not going to take the first one. We've got an idea of what a player's worth in Charlie Good. When you come and match that, we'll do a deal quite quickly. And it's kind of interesting and nice that he's gone to that you know you know potentially going to that very progressive, well-run club. You know, I wish him all the best. You know, I'd love, I would have loved Tony to have, um, to have stayed equally. It might not have done his career any good to have stayed when we were a shambles, really, until Curl got here. Well, between kind of Wilder leaving and, and Curl starting. But yeah, it, it's it's a wonder of, of what might have been. But then Posh, really, really well run club. They don't mind investing and spending money. I think, I think they paid 600 grand. For, for Tony, which is a lot of money for someone who hadn't really done it consistently since he'd left us. But they saw the ability and they've got a return on their investment and straight away they're in to get Bristol Rovers' best striker. Um, you know, I don't, I'd never want to say I want us to be like posh. Mm. But in terms of how the likes of, of McAntony and Fry oversee everything, I think... Them and Brentford are probably two of the clubs I admire the most without, you know, thinking about the blue and white nonsense up the A605 or up the NEN. Yeah. Um, you know, they're, they're good, they're, they're good, well-run clubs. And, you know, good luck to Ivan Tony. We need to have a little, you know, I I can't say we can say to anyone now we should do something different because I think we've done the right thing this time around with a similar player. Mm. Yeah, so, Jeff, you've, that's, that's, a, that's a good line. That's a a fair summary. I can't really disagree with much of that. Jeff, you've mm. slightly been out of the cobbler's loop. Probably yeah. good for you and your mental health and your happiness in your life. <laughs> for a while, been uh, you know doing your wrestling stuff with Sky Sports. Now you're. I know you keep. Uh, you've always kept an eye on it, but maybe starting to sort of look at it a little bit more now. What What do you make of Ivan Tony going to going to Brentford? Uh, you know, a bit a big a big fee and from our deadly local rival. Yeah, I, I, I pretty much agree with everything Martin has just said there. And Peterborough is a perfect example of the speculate to accumulate philosophy, aren't they? You know, they, they have bought players that haven't come off 
necessarily. You know, they've spent money on people like Luke James. Remember, they bought for good money out of Hartlepool, didn't really do anything. So they do do sort of gamble on players. But my, I mean, when they come off, blimey, you just look at some of the players they've sold. Asom Belonga, six million. Connor Washington, three million. Um, Jack Marriott, another uh, you know another Northampton lad, th- although it was never at the Cobblers, also three millions, taking in some massive sums of money. Um, but in terms of Ivan, um, that's that's a great move for him, Brentford. I think I know he's sort of come out and said he wants to play in the Premier League. Um, I, I'm not sure about that at this point, but I mean Brentford weren't far off being a Premier League team any, anyway, were they this season, last season, wherever we're at in it? I just can't, Kind of hard to keep up, um, and and you know he'll be a focal point for a focal player for them. It shows you as well, doesn't it, how the difference in market values of centre forwards to centre backs, considering they paid, we think about a million for Charlie Goode, and we're now talking ten for for Tony. I have to yeah. keep keep hesitating. I want to call him Ivan. So it feels like he's like one of our players, doesn't it? Uh, it's yeah. like he's one he's one of us. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean that's a good move for him. The other, apparently, the other club that was in for him with some degree of seriousness. I mean, depending on when what happens in the next sort of few days, the Brentford thing might not happen, and this club may come back and actually get him. Is uh, Celtic, which would yeah. be an interesting one because obviously they're a team which is playing in a, a lower standard than Brentford, but obviously a much much bigger club. Um, yeah. So that would have been quite an interesting dynamic for him to go there. But yeah, it's. Um, it's a good one. You have to try to sort of approach it a bit, take the emotion out of it, don't you? Because the fact that we did have him and never really saw the best of him in our first team, and now he's gone somewhere else and done really well and, and made a lot of money for a club that we don't like that much. Um, <laughs> it's kind of a sort of a begrudging fair play, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's just for a great teeth, anything to do yeah, with absolutely. Washington. And yeah, it just seems that Cobblers put all that investment into him as a child and brought him through and developed him and managed to keep him away, let, let's face it, from the Triple P, the Premier League clubs that go and mm. do take uh, players out of youth academy. So they managed to like get him through all of that, all those hurdles, get yeah. him into the first team and then just don't get uh, the best value for him. Um, Ian, what do you make of it? I think like what Jeff said is true about Peterborough and their um, recruitment policy. So I know for a fact they they look to recruit strikers, don't they? Because they know that they can sell them for big money and you're going to get more if you develop a striker than you are centre-half. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. And I actually think, it's, again, <laughs> really begrudging to say, I think that's because of Barry Fry. I don't think the chairman's particularly um, a football man as such. He's, he made his money no. in timeshare. Didn't he? And then he saw that horror show of a documentary um few years back and decided to to buy the club uh, and and Fry's been there all along and Fry knows how football works and how to make money out of football and yeah. I think having him there in the background as a constant you have managers come and go but Fry is he's been there for how long now just decades hasn't he and I think I think he's saying you know you want to make money in the lower league this is what you do you get a load of strikers through your youth system where you get a load of strikers um, from other non-league lower league clubs or non-league clubs you give them a chance. Sometimes it'll work out. Sometimes it it won't. The ones that do work out, you're going to sell them for millions and millions and millions. And that's and that's what they've done here. And and that's that. He's always going to be a Cobblers fan, despite that song the Peterborough fans sang about him hating the Cobblers. Um, he yeah he was tweeting the other week, wasn't he, when we won at um, when we won at Wembley. It, he knows what side his bread is bad on, do you know what I mean? Yes, he, he, he won't never be welcome back in Eastfield if he like, uh, <laughs> turns his back on Northampton. Um, Andy, I think an important point to an extent is that he is going to be moving to the Championship, no doubt, or, you know, all the indicators are there, at least Championship level. And as a, as a club... Northampton's role in developing players must also be to, you know, work out what players are going to go on and maybe try and avoid those first initial bids when Newcastle are coming in with, you know, a relatively modest amount of money. Andy, do you think that Cobblers perhaps should have just held on to him a little bit longer and tried to get well, a bit more value out of him? Yeah, it's uh, hindsight. Uh, it's a, w- a yeah. wonderful thing, isn't it? Um, I mean, what Je- Jeff said just a little bit earlier, begrudging fair play. 
um, uh, you know, that, that, that sort of way of doing things. Um, yeah, I mean, we was there for, what, a couple of years? Scored, um, I don't know, like a goal every other game, wasn't it? A pretty impressive scoring record by the, um, by the end. Um, I mean, they just missed out by a point, didn't they? They said if they, they, they didn't go up, he'd be off. And it was just, um, it was just sort of where he was going to go. Really, it's interesting that he's ended up at Brentford, you know, as well. You know, so sort of Charlie Goods ended up there as well. Important point for Northampton is it, we talked about trying to get the the best value for players, and things have improved since the time of Cardozo and Tony and Thomas and Bauer and um, Charlie Good. So the trying to get good value out of players it has improved, and it's really nice. It couldn't go. I've got my, much worse than it what it was, but. So it's got better now. And then you look back at reinvestment of, of, of the money. So Posh are going to sell Tony inevitably at some point. And they've already bought a striker in to replace him. The, the fee won't be anywhere near as much as they receive, but it will be a, a solid investment of, of part of the money. And that, I think, is what, what Northampton have to do. So Northampton have to, you know, they, they have to start developing a, a transfer policy whereby... They do speculate, speculate to accumulate a little bit. It doesn't have to be huge amounts, but and then if you sell a player, have a replacement in mind and invest some of the money. And I'm, you know, I'm still struggling to find a Charlie Good replacement in the signings we've made. And you know, we've got a big hole up front at the moment. But let's see that we have to caveat everything with cobblers at the moment with with the um, coronavirus situation and that. You know, a lot of Cobblers fans are saying, let's sign X, Y and Z. But really, survival at the moment has to be our number one, you know, our mantra, really, because it's just really tough times for, for Northampton. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see where, if Charlie Good gets replaced. And, you know, in terms of Ivan Tony, it is really nice to see him doing well, uh, Northampton lad. And he seems a nice guy. And apparently he's got a nice nice family and stuff. So we wish him well. It just, just really sticks in the claw that he's he's going to go from Poch for that money let's move on from Ivan Tony's transfer I was looking on Twitter a couple of days ago and Football Lab aka Gabriel Sutton he's a bit of an EFL expert I helped him a little bit with his Northampton Town predictions I don't blame me because he put us in 21st for this next season which is pretty low town um, I, I have a, a couple of places higher but it's quite difficult to sort of guess and make an analysis of where we're going to um, end up this season in League One, but we'll give it a, a go anyway with you know the players we've got, the limited players we've got. Um, Martin, are you optimistic for the season ahead? It's obviously very difficult times. Threadbare um, squad, I guess, to an extent, but are you optimistic? Where do you reckon we'll finish out of 24? Uh, if, if I was going to put me, hang me hat on a number, I'm going to say seven, 16th, 17th. Yeah. Um, I think what we've what we've seen recently, I think I've used the word a lot about pragmatism with Curl. I think he's good at getting stuff done. I don't think he's married to a style. I think we've we've signed three centre halves, all of whom strike me as good sign signings on the apart from maybe Bolger, who's maybe a sign the experienced guy, but he's you know he's captain Lincoln City at that that level. You know, he, I think he got a decent couple of keepers. Again, a bit like Cornell and Arnold, he's not signed a guy to just a youngster backer. He signed a guy who probably should have been playing for Derby County's first team if they hadn't had such good keepers in the last few years. So I think he's, you know, the signings strike me as we're we're pushing forward. Mm. He's not managed at this level before, but I think we seem to be financially. We're, we've made offers, we've made decent offers and got people in a, you know, reasonably early, although the season is creeping up on us. And I guess that thing about up front is for for all that we think, yeah, you'd want to see another 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 body there. You're holding fire on what we really, really want. And I'm sure there are deals lined up for when Callum Morton signs elsewhere. And what I'm really hoping is he doesn't. And yeah. we're saying to those guys, well, there's a lesser deal here because you're probably on the bench. But I, I, I think I, I'm optimistic. I think we're on, we're on an upward curve on the pitch. Yeah. Yeah, that seems that seems reasonable. I, I, I spoke to Gabriel and he he looks at it, uh, you know, quite a dry level in terms of his analysis and 
from looking from the outside in and our squad isn't particularly strong especially up front so I can understand why he'd have us done in 21st but I just I'll, I'll, I'll talk about it a bit more in a minute but I just think that Curl can get blood out of stones he can turn games that are very difficult into, into wins and draws and pick up points so I don't can't see us you know touch wood struggling in the relegation positions Ian are you a half you know glass half full or half empty sort of guy in terms of cobblers this season of um, coke and wine <laughs> yeah um, half half yeah I'm, I'm an optimist um, I was looking at the fixtures and they came out and I was thinking oh you know because it's, it's Sunderland isn't it last Sunderland away last game of the season mm. and yeah. I was thinking what would that be like when we had Leeds um, last game of the mm. season yeah. <laughs> when we yeah. needed to get a result to, to stay up and and yeah, Ipswich Boxing Day. Um, you know, it'd be interesting. Hopefully, the two times we play them, we'll do better than we did the last time we were in that division. But you know, yeah. look at look at. I mean, it's it's crazy, isn't it? The way Peterborough have pushed on in in the last few years, and hopefully, I mean, yeah, I always think League One is quite is quite an even division, and you can get a result against anyone. I mean, if if you yeah. couldn't, then Sunderland and Ipswich is the big clubs. They they would have gone up, wouldn't they? So you know, you've you've got to go in optimistic and just think, yeah, let's let's see what we can do. And you know, it's always good as well to be carrying on um, momentum-wise as well. You know, from from that from that playoff um, campaign and the way they played on um, in the the friendly on Saturday, um, I thought, and obviously some of the personnel had changed, but on the whole, we. It wasn't too bad, was it? I know, I know, pre-season friendlies aren't always a great indicator of how things are going to be, but we were yeah. kind of playing a similar sort of way, and and um, the people who came in, I know some of them were trialists, but they were kind of sort of playing to the same system and looked like they hit the ground running. So, you know, why not? Let's 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 see. Yeah, if we can get Morton back, that would be amazing, wouldn't it? That would be good. I'm quite happy with the signings as well. I mean, you said you didn't think. There was you, you didn't see a, a replacement for Good. I think um, is it Bolger or Bolger? How would you say it? Uh, Bolger. And how do you say his first name? <laughs> Kian. Like your name, but with a cut in front of. Yeah, him. I, didn't, I wasn't sure because. <laughs> is, is it Kian? I mean, like it's you good to know. see when you've, got, when you've got someone who's come in um, and done it before. You know, he's done it at Lincoln. You think, well, he can. He can it's always good to have a team of winners, isn't it? People who have. Who have um, who had success in the past? So yeah, I'm, I'm quite yeah. happy. Jeff, you, I believe you watched the stream, didn't you, of the Cobblers friendly on the weekend? I, I did. Full disclosure, I was technically working at the same time, um, but I mean, part of my job is to write about football. So yeah. I mean, yeah. really, it's kind of research, isn't it? Just to confirm, Kian Bolger is 28. So I've just looked up his Wikipedia. And the picture of him on Wikipedia is he's got a great big white plaster across his cheek, covering a massive open wound with blood seeping through it. That's the sort of centre half we want, isn't it? Six foot four and a bloody face on Wikipedia. That'll do us. Who doesn't love a centre half covered in blood? That's uh, the Terry Butcher, the classic image, isn't it? I was going to say, sure. I'll beat you to it. Yeah, but Butcher rather than both. Yeah. It's easier to say as Someone well. Jeff, you're in the glamour of um, Sky Sports there. You should have said, yeah, I've just checked the Sky Sports database. and uh, what a- <laughs> yeah, I, just, I just logged in with my password. And uh, yeah, Kian Bogger, he was 28 on the 12th of March. I can exclusively reveal based on that database. Um, <laughs> so I did I did kind of watch a bit of the, the friendly. You're right. But um, it, I, I'd be lying if I said I was giving it my full attention. It was a brilliant goal, I thought, that won it. Oh, yeah. Great goal. Um, but beyond that, I, I, can't, I can't really offer much more. Yeah. And, again, and also with friendlies, I mean, you're dead right. I, I, the amount of friendlies I did as a reporter and that we've all seen as fans where it's really difficult to tell too much. You don't know how strong the opposition is, you yeah. know, what changes that they've made to how they're likely to start on the first game, what other players there are to come in, trial lists, it's difficult to get a read on them. I know there was a lot of um, negativity on Twitter about uh, Antonio German being in the Cobblers squad, seems to have, seems to have, have had a bit of a, uh, an interesting career in terms of who he's played for. Um, but yeah, so it's difficult to tell, isn't it? I think a lot of the 
problems with Antonio German in terms of people's perception is they looked at his Wikipedia page and uh, I'd say it was like a litany of uh, former clubs, a lot of former clubs he had. So he's, he's been much a classic journeyman, not really now down a place anywhere. Um, and the only concern I'd say watching that friendly was we're all fans of uh, Dane Oliver and the way he kept the ball up front for Northampton, kept, made the ball stick. And it just seemed to me up front that we just missed that presence. I know we've got um, Smith coming back, so he, he's a big presence. But that spine for me wasn't as strong and uh, has as much quality as last season. So it'd be interesting to see how he shores things up front. And I did see the ball sort of travelling from back to front for Leighton Orient pretty quickly and putting pressure on our wing back. So that would be something to keep an eye on. But I'd I mean, as everyone said, Mills looks good, doesn't he? Mills looks yeah. good, you know, commanding, strong, uh, yeah. gets forward really well. Uh, he yeah. just takes responsibility, doesn't he? I mean, I watched it on catch-up and, um, yeah, I, I, th- I thought it was all right, pre-season friendly, yeah. as, as, as much as much as anyone yeah. can can read into it, really. Mizzoulou, I mean, if he gets injured, that was my, my his all-action style. Um, if he gets injured, which may happen again, it's you know, he's looking on the dark side, but um, you wonder because I mean, he's going to be a big player, and clearly, so is Mills. Yeah, we'll we'll see how those two get on. The uh, the French guy, Mizilu, he just he just seems a bit all action and the sort of player that Cobblers fans will take to. He's a, a defensive midfielder that really tries to hunt that ball down, and Cobblers fans. Always like that sort of player. Um, I had us, I think, 18th in Quebec comparison to Gabriel's 21st. Maybe slightly higher with a couple of signings to come in. But let's face it, the most important thing, and it is always a case with Cobblers, is staying in League One. We haven't really done it effectively, have we? Have we ever done it ever for more than a few seasons? I don't know, Andy, you might know that in terms of the stats. We haven't really stayed in League One for more than two or three years, have we? Um, I said. Put me on the spot now. I don't think it's happened for more than two years, has it? Yeah, I think my my memory of 86, 87, we went up. 87, 88, we got in the playoffs to go up to the... Um, uh, we, no, we oh, just missed out. Sorry. Just missed out on the playoffs, didn't we? Just, just missed out. Just missed out. That was that, that was that Sunderland game. Yeah, we just missed yeah, out on the playoffs. Earlier, yeah. The day of... It was, it was poignantly, it was the day of Hillsborough. We had Blackpool at home. And we drew three all. If we'd have won that, we were in. And then we, I think, um, we were away at was Sun. It, maybe wasn't next. that Sheffield United at home oh, was that it day? I two undefeat, two undefeat against Sheffield United, I think. You know, I'm not. But we had one. We had the one season where we just missed out, and then I think we just escaped relegation. I remember some wonderful work by Paul Culpin to get us a point uh, <laughs> at the end of the season and then we went down and I think that was a, in my memory of sports in the mid 80s those three seasons in League One as it as it is now that's the longest we've had yeah I would say so, Martin, just to double check Martin just to double check all these stats I would ask Jeff once again to uh, refer to the Sky Sports database but obviously and he goes back to 1992 very good as we know it goes back to 92 Sky Sports football started in 1992 (laughs) well funny you should mention that because did we not have three um, seasons in I'm trying to think when they got promoted with Calderwood the following season they just stayed up didn't they under Grey yeah. And then they had a good year under Gray when they finished 10th or 11th with, you know, um, Paul Huberts, Akinfenwa, Danny Jackman and all that. Yeah. And then the really following good. year, they were relegated. So that would have been three, wouldn't it? Oh, that could be, yeah. be three as well. But I'm, mm. I'm convinced that it, I was sure I told people for years that we'd always come up, go up and go down on the third season. But then it ended up not being that. So hmm, I think a little bit of Googling required to uh, to check our facts. But yeah, it's (laughs) never very long. I think that's the season that Jeff was talking about. I spoke to Paul Huberts, didn't I? And I think that was a season where Paul Huberts wanted to sign, but they couldn't afford him or something. And then I think he signed Leon Constantine. Is that right, Jeff? Leon Constantine. Oh, oh, shudder. (laughs) Yeah, that is the Constantine. And Colin Larkin, Ian Henderson, those are the sort of players they picked up that summer. Yeah. 
didn't go well. Ian Henderson, any other week, any other season of his career, we'd have been yeah. fine. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, brilliant player actually. Yeah, it's one of those one of those guys that just didn't really turn it on for Northampton at all. Um, so let's let's sort of uh, pin you up against the wall in a mobster fashion. Let's let's get all your predictions. I'm going to go 18th. We revisit this in a year's time and see if any of us got it right. So I'm going to go 18th in League One. Let's go with you, Martin. What have you said? Uh, 17th. Okay. This is. Oh, in fact, one no, if one. we're going to go on a higher, I'm going to say 14th. Okay. I'm going to say we have a good season. Okay, so we'll go you, Andy. What do you reckon? I'd buy an 18th as well. 18th. Yep, sweet. Uh, Ian? Uh, I'll say fifth, and then we'll go up. The <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> There's me thinking I'm optimistic. <laughs> it's strange things have happened, to be fair. I didn't really expect us to, you know, go smash the players like we did. So that's, you know, it could be a strange season. Let's see, let's see how it plays out. True. Um, Jeff, what do you reckon, mate? Well, I can give you the absolute opposite end of that, that scale from Ian there. Um I, 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 I've actually sort of consistently said I can't see I can't see who in this division we will beat. Now that that's just me being massively ne- a negative Northamptonian. I met um, <laughs> do, do you know um, the guy who presents the Cobbler Show on Red Northampton, Mark Webber? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I met him for a, a very responsibly socially distanced couple of beers a few weeks ago, and because he's not from Northampton. He doesn't have this kind of black cloud permanently hanging over him. And he kind of talk, he talked me round a bit um, and we kind of went through it. And I've actually written down uh, five teams here who we will who we will beat home and away, which is Oxford, because we always do. Accrington, yeah. because I mean, Accrington, come on. Burton Albion, their, their bubble has to burst now. Rochdale, yeah, you know, they're, they're also awful. And Wigan is Wigan, a crisis club. So we beat all five of them home and away. That's 30 points on the board. Before we even had to think about it. So um, my prediction is we will finish 20th and survive on goal difference. <laughs> so we need as many crisis clubs. I think Charlton are in crisis as well. Yeah, crisis so clubs everywhere. I can, oh we'll do a double over them as well. I don't, know, I don't know if you guys know, Wimbledon actually run by their fans. So surely they're in permanent crisis. So we, and, and we always beat them anyway. How they, they, dare they you? Mean? Another six points. <laughs> if it, if it just took that in there to piss me off. <laughs> I'll, 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 if it gets I'll, as yeah. tight as that for the end of the season, because um, obviously the other half being a Mackham, we're going to go up for for that. Well, assuming we're back to some sort of normal and stopping Middlesbrough. If it's like if we're in with a sniff of survival and, and the Mackhams mm. are in with a sniff of ferocious, that's going to be that's a real strain in our relationship. Very, very iffy, that one, wouldn't it? Hopefully it'll, hopefully it'll be both teams need a point and it'll be nil-nil and not a tackle oh, in sight. Like an Austria-West Germany. Yeah, the carve-up, yeah. <laughs> it depends whether we've it depends whether we sign a Paul Hubertz or a Leon Constantine, basically. So it's up to you, Pete. Make it a crazy Danish guy rather than, um, yeah, Leon Constantine. I don't even know how to describe him. Well, we have like signed the, a Danish uh, guy. True. True. He's not the original and the best Hubert, so, you know, but we'll, we'll, we'll give him a chance. <laughs> but well, yeah, so it's, a, it's, a, it's the mid 30s, isn't it? Points that keeps you up. 35 points or so. No, no, it's, it's 50 points in a 46 game season. Uh, well, yeah. So to be fair, we've yeah. got thirty guaranteed. <laughs> was it thirty there guaranteed? Yeah, thirty on the board, no problem. See your twenty-one points from the remaining how many fixtures? So that would be ten games from thirty-six games. Easy. Yeah. Now Hull could be in crisis as well. I mean, they're they're an absolute basket case. Hull, Charlton, you add them to that, that could be mm-hmm. another tw- another twelve. A couple of clubs will probably go out of business as well, so that will use up two of the relegation places. Fingers crossed. Well, yeah, you'd hope so. You'd hope. Yeah. Not, I mean, not for them, obviously, but no, but I mean for the cobblers. <laughs> Frankly, we should be looking up, not down. <laughs> yeah, I think Ian's, I think Ian's going to win this. <laughs> There'll only be six teams left, and we'll have finished it. <laughs> Yeah, you need Jake. Just... You need Jake. He predicted a four-nil win in the. Um... In the playoff final, didn't he? Where the hell's Jake? Yeah, <laughs> he's biding his time. He, d- he doesn't want to out it on air, and the odds change. 
There'll be a load of money on us in a certain position. <laughs> Just keep an eye on all them betting sites. I think, um, you know, the uh, talk of Paul Kubats and the... Uh, who's the other Danish guy? We signed a Danish defender, didn't we? Uh, Ratchet, I think his name is. Yes. Don't, don't quote me on that. Luka Ratchet, yeah. Yeah, he looks a good player. Now, they are uh, players of an international queue. Now, that leads me brilliantly onto our next segment, which is... International players. Don't yeah. mind assessing your own work there. It leads me brilliantly. <laughs> so, look, listen, I can't be a good critic of myself. Come on, what else have we got? So, but actually, it's to do with uh, Lionel Messi, hasn't he? Lionel Messi is allegedly on the way out of Barcelona. Shock, you know, the, the uh, stalwart of Barcelona, world's best player. And uh, loads of Cobblers fans, you know, of course, went on Twitter and started saying, oh, he's got to come to Northampton. I think probably lower league fans all over the country are like, they've got to come to us, they've got to come to us. But that sort of led, led me to think, what would actually happen if Northampton ever signed a player of Messi's standard or a world-class player, you know? It just the mind boggles. We, we, we get excited if we sign, you know, someone that's played in the French third division. So if we signed a world-class player, what, how would it play out? So I'm, I'm going to put it to you guys, like present or past, if a world-class, world-star you know, star footballer turned up in Northampton, how, how would it go down? So we'll start with, go with Ian first, actually, Ian. World-class player turned up at Northampton. Picture the scene. Yeah, picture the scene. It's the 2010-2011 season. Gary Johnson's um, trying to steer cobblers to, uh, to safety. Scoring goals isn't so much of a problem, but they cannot hold on to a lead to save their lives. They cannot... They, they, Lots of late goals going in. Who do you need at the end? Who do you need at the back? Keep a steady ship. Keep calm. Keep composed. If you've got, if the technology is there for time travel, Franz Beckenbauer, bring him in. I think if 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 you'd have had Franz Beckenbauer partnering Dean Beck partnering with Dean Beckwith at the back, <laughs> I think could have that season we could have finished in the heady heights of potentially the playoff positions. Oh man, that's a that's a that's an image and a half. Beckenbauer in his you know pomp, probably one of the world's best defenders ever. Again, with Marsh- line against Dean, with Dean Beckwith, marshalling the likes of Paul Rogers, um, with Ab- Abdul Osman <laughs> of him. I think it would have been a recipe for for mid table or if not above success. Yeah, yeah. Just I reckon around just around the mid. Mid table. What was uh, Beckenbauer's nickname? The Kaiser, wasn't it? The Kaiser, yeah. The Kaiser. But, uh, yeah. I don't know if Dean Beckwith. Dean Beckwith was a guy I saw in the library getting out the uh, child's uh, illustrated book of Dracula. So I'm not sure if it'll be a meeting of minds off the pitch for Be- uh, Beckwith and Beckenbauer. But it's, it's it rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Beckwith and Beckenbauer. I can imagine Tim what's his face on BBC Radio commentating on that. I think um, I'm, I'm liking I'm liking I'm liking that combination. That's going to be uh, hard to beat. We'll go we'll go with you, Jeff. You've uh, you know really okay. a lot of good players in this. Who are you going to go for? World class player turning up at Sixfields or County County Ground. So one of my favourite players of all time, and I have no knowledge of ever seeing this player play beyond uh, a DVD I bought once of a very famous England v Hungary game. One of my favourite players, Ferenc Pushkas, who <laughs> retired, he retired in 1966. And what better way would there have been for him to bow out than with a couple of seasons at the county ground playing for the then first division Northampton town? It would have just been perfect. You know, he probably would have been able to keep them in the first division on his own. Um, but yeah, that, obviously that never happened. But we did actually sign a kind of a modern day equivalent of Pushkas many, many years later, slightly overweight, predominantly left footed, diminutive playmaker, goal scorer, which was, of course, Kevin Thornton. Uh, so we, in a way, we kind of did sign a, a world class player uh, and very much like a football manager regen type of, of Pushkas, I feel. Yeah. Oh, I love the mighty Magyar turning up at uh, the county ground. Can you imagine what the Northampton Tunnians would have made of him? They would have been just in awe, wouldn't they? Absolutely, yeah. And then yeah. after a couple of bad touches, he's rubbish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> get forward. Get, get that bush gas off. <laughs> what are you just doing, Bowen? Get <laughs> out, Bowen. It's not working. Bring on Brian from Bronze. <laughs> he's got that. He can knock it 50 yards. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, I think this is going to go badly wrong. It's that... I think that leads into mine, actually. I'll lead into mine. Um, mine is not so much a positive story. It's Mario Kempes turning up to the county ground in 1986-87, the Argentinian 
superstar striker with the beautiful long hair. He's, he signed from Hercules in Valencia in 1986-87 in the shock move after Derek Banks finds a rare case of Monte Cristo cigars and sells them on the uh, open market. Old uh, Mario Kempes scores five in the derby v Posh, starts off really well, beautifully. The crowd really take to him. Cobblers actually sell Trevor Morley and Ian Benjamin on a freeze because why do they need him? Because we've got Mario Kempes. <laughs> then unfortunately, Kempes gets injured. Does his ACL. As he's going off, he calls Graham Cara puta de madre. He has to retire. It gets worse. So where's Dennis Casey's magic sponge where you need it? <laughs> no. Put another Spanish swear word. I don't know anymore. Ian, give us a choice Spanish. Surely, hijo de puta is right up there. Yeah, it's all to do with whores, isn't it? Puta de madre is, I think, uh, mother of a whore. Something like that. Hija is, of course, what um, Jose Mourinho famously called uh, the Chelsea physio, wasn't it? The, the, the Eva Carnero, which is daughter of a whore. <laughs> <which is> quite... <laughs> so basically, Mario Kempes is going to be calling the Northampton people just everything, any relation of a whore, and it's going to go downhill very fast. He has to retire because of this injury. He has to live, go live on Bellinge. He's just stuck on Bellinge. He's drinking every day in the swinging sparring Western and it just goes downhill. So it's a sad tale of Mario Kempes, probably one of the you know world's best strikers at the time, ending up living on the Eastern District. And I'm sorry I can't give a, a better outlook for that story. Yeah, come on, Andy. What will your what will yours be? Hopefully, it'll be a bit. Well, yeah, it's a bit, but yeah, it's not necessarily um, you know someone coming to the end of their career and saving the cobblers or you know having a swan song, but it's, it's you know more a clash of the egos because you've got. Um, you know, you've got Aidy Boothroyd in the 2013 playoff final. And, um, you know, he's got... He's got where, you know, was, where was he building that aeroplane? <laughs> in um, the well, sky, was it? Was, it? Yeah, it was, it was in the sky, but it, there, was, there, was, um, there was discussion over where exactly to build it with, um, <laughs> with Johan Cruyff, the star striker you've got there, who's then left on the bench for the final. And, you know, there's all sorts of consternation. <laughs> there's seamless being slotted in. They're being withdrawn. What's uh, Des that doesn't know what the mate. hell's going on. You know, Johan's, he's caning fags on the bench. He's pissed off about it. Um, <laughs> he, you know, he, he, won't, he won't speak to anyone wearing the three stripes of Adidas. Um, in the end, he, he gets his way and, okay. um, you know, comes off the bench. The rest is history. You know, he, he waltzes. He, um, he produces one of the all-time great Wembley performances and promotion is achieved. AD turns around and says it was all planned. And every, every, <laughs> everyone's a winner. <laughs> that, but does he end up living in the Eastern District? Yes or no? We, we need to know the, to do more to this story, or does he He's, go and live a nice life in uh, Spain? Yeah, he he, he commutes from uh, Bletchley. <laughs> <laughs> Johan Cruyff under eighty degrees. He's seen a he's, he's seen a nice little plot. He's Dutch, you know. He he he, he sees something. He wants it. He sees a nice little little plot in Bletchley. He has it, and you know everyone else can go go themselves. But can you imagine, be honestly, like go on, Ian. I was going to say, to be fair to AD, I'd have picked Clive Platt over Johan Cruyff any day. <laughs> <laughs> Cruyff isn't going to win you any win you any second balls in the box, is he? Or get down down the channels for those long clearances. Is he going to do it in a yeah. cold, on a cold night in Stoke? <laughs> <laughs> a bit like that so one, one got... Champions League <laughs> the other day. So we've got a big old clash. Big old clash of the egos there. So we've got Johan Cruyff playing and Andy Bufroyd uh, for Northampton. Martin, who is your world-class player that might end up in Northampton well, and how, it, how did it play out? I don't want to diss my fellow podcasters, but it's all a little cliched. <laughs> I'm looking back and thinking, what was the World Cup that captivated me? Who was the guy who made me think I hadn't noticed this team before? But boy, oh boy, I wish he was one of ours. So let me take you back to the 1990-91 season for the Cobblers. And we did okay. We finished 10th in, in Division 4, as it was called, back in, in, your, in your old money. 
But who had wowed us at the World Cup? Well, the opening game, Cameroon-Argentina. Now, Benjamin Massing, who was the second part of the fantastic foul on Claudio Canigia, which was just like you'd be arrested for, and quite rightly these days. <laughs> but who was the guy who came on at games? Who was the Derek Asamoah for Cameroon? And it was Roger Mia. Oh, yeah, Roger Mitchell. Now, get me that guy on the bench in the early 90s and no game was lost if you were within one goal because he didn't look like a footballer, chubby, clearly muscular, could run a bit and once he got the wrong side of someone, he'd he'd keep him off the ball and he could finish. So, yeah, you can get your Johan Cruyffs, your Mario Kempesh, (laughs) Roger Mia is the one for me. Him negotiating with Michael McRitchie, that would have been a sight. <laughs> Both of them. Could also, have he had a compatriot there, didn't he? He had a compatriot in Afoni, lad. He was an international for Cameroon. So they would have had someone to bed in Northampton. That, what a combination. Have, have you ever read um, Football Against the Enemy by Simon oh, Cooper? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Where, where Miller has got some pygmies. Yeah. Simon Cooper, he sort of went around the, the world, you know, um, researching football and its impact and, you know, key players and whatnot. I think he wrote it in 91, 92. And yeah, he went to sort of Cameroon, uh, came, butt in, and correct me if I'm wrong, but from memory, it's a while since I read it. And he's, you know, investigating how um, football has, you know, sort of affected Cameroon and their profile and the way they're seen around the world. And he wanted to speak to Roger Miller. And uh, sort of uh, booked or sought Roger Miller out at the National Stadium in Yaoundé. And, yeah, he was, uh, again, sort of, you know, there, there, there was a, a, a match of pygmies, basically, a sort of pygmy exhibition match. And he had them locked. I think he had them yeah. locked in the dressing room. It's like keeping them prisoner, um, wasn't he? Yeah. In, in some way. But the February after England, Cameroon and Italia 90, Cameroon came to Wembley for a money-spinning international, you know, sort of cashing in on the popularity for a bit. And I think it was Joseph Antoine Bell, the keeper, and Roger Miller. They pulled out on the the day of the match. Because I actually remember it. I remember the friendly. And Roger Miller, you know, in Wembley, played at Wembley. And he pulled out, you know, a rouse over appearance money. And all that. Was that because um, he was in? Um, was that because he was in talks at the county ground with Theo Foley about signing? <laughs> it was. <laughs> Have I maybe <laughs> hit on the truth? <laughs> he was actually at Newport Pagnell Services um, <laughs> at the at the time that match was kicking off. Do you remember um, his corner flag um, celebration he used to do when he used to sort of dance around the corner flag? Yeah, yeah. yeah. After you said that, Mike, I just had an image of him doing that at the county ground, not at the hotel end, but you know the end where um, in between the cricket side and the spine cop, he would have been right in front of that bowling green, wouldn't he? Like, where <laughs> <all> the- <laughs> I've actually, um, we're on a bit of a tangent, but I've just, I googled Roger Miller pygmies and there's a, there, is a, there is a post on it. Now, this isn't attributed to any source, but I'll read this paragraph out because it's quite interesting. Um, it says... Miller was arrested after the police received complaints that the Pygmies had been imprisoned in a single locked room underneath the stadium by an armed guard in a Saddam Hussein t-shirt. What? (laughs) It gets better. A stadium official countered by saying, you don't know the Pygmies. They are extremely difficult to control. (laughs) That is a yes. So there you go. That is a takeaway quote. That is such a great shout for digging that out. You don't see, understand yeah, what just... they're like. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've got to make it clear that we do not condone on the, the Wallet podcast the imprisonment of pygmies for the use of football, okay? So we'll make that very clear. Well, all, all people <laughs> of any height. Yeah. Anyone. <laughs> yeah. Let's move swiftly on from uh, the imprisonment of pygmies. Allegedly, this might not be true, so we'll make that, make that sure that's allegedly from uh, Roger Miller. Two... This is, yeah, this has got no connection whatsoever, but we've been talking on, as it never has done on this podcast, but we've been talking uh, on Twitter about Cobbler's player chance and the best runs over the years. And um, to be fair, Cobbler's fans aren't particularly imaginative normally. It's Bayo or, you know, something like that, isn't it? Just, just a derivative of that. But 
Jefferson Lake's got a, quite a, a good one back from the 90s Europop scene, haven't you, Jefferson? Uh, a blast in the yeah. back. I have. I can give, give you the genesis of when this, this chant was written. Um, just out of interest, when um, we all uh, we all start, started going, didn't we, in the Hotel End era, and I used to love it when um, they would the crowd would kind of like cheer each player individually and they would sort of turn to the Hotel End and do a little clap or a wave or something. I really, I really yeah. loved that. That was one of the first things I really loved about the club. Um, but anyway, yeah, so we were on, um, it was on a St. James Supporters Club coach. Christ knows where we were going, somewhere, somewhere grim for an inevitable defeat. And um, a guy called Paul Riley, who um, was he's a sort of larger than life Cobblers fan. He was a couple of years older than me um, and was sort of not not a football hooligan, but just sort of, you know, the sort of top, the type that would start off songs and was, you know, well known among the, in the crowds and that. He's actually, a, interestingly, he's a doctor now in New Zealand, which is quite a, no one, anyone who knew him at that time would never have seen that coming. Anyway, we were on the, uh, we were on the coach and he trialled singing, uh, making a song up to the tune of No Limits uh, by, I've no idea who it's by, but, you know, uh, no, no, uh, no. Too Too unlimited. Too unlimited. Of course it is, yeah. But, you know, one of one of the many songs on all the great albums they released, which I own all of. Um, and he, he he initially tested it with Andy Woodman. So he sort of switched to himself, like, wood, 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 wood. It's like, no, it doesn't really work, does it? And then he, like, clicked his fingers, like, oh, I've got it. No, 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 David Norton. And the brilliant thing about that was it was it caught, obviously caught on because it's it's very easy to... Uh, to pick up the lyrics to that, that particular terrace chant, and that song was quite big at the time. And um, it, the other brilliant part of it was that David Norton was a, a fairly sort of innocuous right back that play, only played a couple of years and didn't really do anything of note apart from be quite a steady right back. But he had a song, which was which was great. Um, and yeah, so that was quite cool to see how these things, because I've always wondered, like the more intricate songs. Who, yeah. how do they get, how do they get sort of devised and passed around? And, you know, especially these ones, you know, like Manchester United have loads of, their fans have loads of really great songs. How, how do they yeah. distribute the lyrics for them? I don't know, maybe social media and stuff like that. And, you know, it just sort of amplifies it. But I think Cobbler's always been a bit lo-fi with their chants, haven't they? And I think the sort of the inspiration of this segment was uh, the Dino Trot one. Anyone mm. can remember Dean Trot. I can't I remember much about him. I think he was a striker. He was, yeah. Was striker in name him. only. Yeah, yeah. And his tune was, do you know Trot, 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 to feeling hot. And at the time, it was quite funny and <laughs> sort of quite wrong. Yeah. And sort of fairly imaginative for Cobblers. But um, you talked about, Jeff, about the David Norton one. Um, my mate Phil Garlic, we were, I think we were at a, a friendly v catering one time. I think it was a couple of years ago and it just rained the whole time. Alex Revel was there and uh, Phil, Phil Garlic made up uh, to the song Rebel Rebel by Bowery. He was, his song was uh, Rebel Rebel, your face is a mess. <laughs> That's as far as he got with that one. It didn't get much further than that. I don't think... Uh, <laughs> Somewhat unkind, isn't it, that? <laughs> it could have been worse. Your play is a mess. You know... It, it could have been a lot worse. The, um, the, Dino Trot, the Dean Trot one was later... Uh, amended to Jason White, wasn't it? Who was who we bought, uh, we actually paid money for a striker, which was quite an exotic thing to do. But we used, was obviously Jason White, White, White. Well, he didn't have a triple barreled surname then. I was assuming <laughs> Jason White. <laughs> but um, a friend of mine, again, very unkindly, used to say, Jason White, 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 shame he's shite, shite, shite. Which I thought was a bit unnecessary. Sacrilege. <laughs> he was asthmatic. That has just just taken the piss. He was nice. all right as well, though. Shite was very a very harsh description for him. Had a good first season and then just it didn't happen. Dropped into non-league. Yeah. Has anyone else got any they can remember for Cobblers players? Any? Um. There was a wonderful one. I think the first few games I'd seen, I remember begging me mum in about it might be the 83, 84, 84, 85 season. She took me, my little brother and sister in their twin in their twin buggy down to the county ground, and it was only Cobblers Peterborough. And I think they were managed nice. by Noel Cantwell, or Noel Cantwell was was the mm, yeah. like oh, one no, of their legends. This is a great one. And there was a great song. Noel, 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 Noel. 
That was that the, is name the name of, of that bastard Cantwell. Cantwell. And it's like, oh, <laughs> still sitting there. Very festive. things that were ever written. And so I, um, I, people still sing that now. I've got mates who still sing that now at games. But um, one for you, one for you, Martin, because you mentioned this chant on a previous episode. It might have been last week, I think. Um, the Bobby Barnes chant, which I won't repeat because it's really, really offensive. Yes, is it about his hat? He's got a magic hat. No, it's about uh, about him. Yeah. Or I mean, we can we can just we, I can I can say it. It's, it's very very unpleasant. And I said to my friend at the time, I said, Christ, that's a bit strong, isn't it? Like, what, yeah. what what's Bobby Barnes done to deserve that? And my mate just went, place for posh. Yes. <laughs> um, Deborah Marshall, the actual originator of Wallach, uh, tweeted us. Um, she uh, made up a couple of ones that didn't catch on, and sometimes the ones that don't catch on are the best. She, this is a good one. Do you know uh, Black Betty by the Ram Jam Band? <laughs> yeah. Good tune. Black Betty, Ram Lamb. She uh, she wrote, "Oh, Steve Terry, Bam Lamb." <laughs> Steve Terry with the headband never caught on, and uh, we, we, Mick, we can't for, on. we can't forget the out here brothers. Boom, boom, boom. Let me hear you say bail, bail. <laughs> My favourite was I'm, uh, this one's a bit too like hard to sing. It was you're the Dane. You probably think this song is about. Oh, nice, yeah. But good. They always let me down. Like the singers, they haven't got that range. Not that I have either. But yeah, it needs to be on one monotone level, doesn't it? Like uh, another one, someone's tweeted in psycho, psycho, psycho to Barry Richardson. Who, mm. uh, and then there was Ram Rambo for Graham yeah. Reed, and it, and he still looked hard even without that perm. Is is he um, the one that's going to start a cult up in the in the in the woods with Ian? That was him <laughs> with He's his uh, with his Just another arrow. Another non-cobbler's one, which I've which got to get in. Um, when the ball hits the goal, it's not Shearer or Cole, it's Zamora. There aren't many better. Properly creative, that. Yes. Well, I, the one I was going to say, do you remember when, um, obviously, the famous Vieira one that the Arsenal fans, we actually, you know, straight adaption for Magno Vieira. Do you remember him? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah he got a goal, didn't he? Yeah, <laughs> he had a ready for him. <laughs> the best chant I've heard, like from out elsewhere, not from cobblers, that sort of fits nicely, like the, um, you know, the Zamora one and stuff like that, was uh, there was a guy called Phelan. Was it Mike Phelan? Plays for Man United, someone like that. And, yeah. 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 And he was bald, I think. And the the chant was, "You've lost your hairline, Phelan. Yeah. Oh, your <laughs> hairline, Phelan." <laughs> That's like. That gets the, uh, you know, non... I do non, think the couple of times we've had United at our place, I mean, for all that we joke about they all live around the corner, their fans have probably the best songs in, in English football. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true. You know, yeah. Unfortunately, you know, most of them come from Corby and Kettering, so don't really... Uh, don't really hit the mark. Yeah, we, we've been talking for quite a long time now. We've got a couple of things that we haven't managed to talk about. We can talk about them next week. Um, we're just all looking forward to the season. The season starts when for the listeners? I can't even remember. Do you know? Anyone know? Start Is it September, a week Saturday for the, the mm. League Cup, Cardiff? Mm. A.K.A. Calimocho Day. So you, you, you guys get, <laughs> get your plastic bags ready. The first league game is at home to... Wimbledon. So even if we can't get in the ground, we'll have to meet up. We'll just sit in on the hill with the a plastic bag, a bottle of Coke, and some Rafa's red wine, and just um, drink that. So for that, guys. Hey, we'll, yeah. we, we should yeah. we should do something together for the first game. Um, yeah, that'd be cool. Definitely. But um, you know, it's it's been a pleasure as always. And uh, yes, yeah, just don't don't look in mine's boot because he's he's got like fifteen baseball bats in there. He says he plays baseball. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> it's on the Eastern District, so we will Look, never, we can never be quite sure. If you if you raided all the houses round here, you'd yeah. think we'd have a better baseball team than Centurions <laughs> in this county. <laughs> on that bombshell, let's uh, let's wrap up but, tonight, guys. But no um, fielders because you can't find any gloves or balls either. <laughs> Just the bats. But you know, thanks for talking to us, guys, and we'll speak next week. You guys take care. Cheers, all. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. 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 See, See you. Hey, hey, cheers, mate.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.